Well, no matter how you slice it, we got the wildest roller coaster of the entire season today. Everything happened in this ballgame. Like, there's not, there's not one thing that did not happen, <laughs> Ben, in this ball. Like, sunscreen balls, bad luck in the field, some good luck on the other side for the Jays. Balls oh, yeah. going under gloves of Angels fielders and pitchers. Massive dingers, a grand slam. Kevin Kiermeyer five runs. Like, the Jays, they went down six runs. Retook the lead, blew the lead, and then came back again. And then nearly blew the lead again. They, oh, my goodness. They, <laughs> they win 12-11, and they grab the series win as well. The 6-4 is their record now in the season after three consecutive road series. And that, Ben Shulman, heading into the home opener on Tuesday and a day off tomorrow is something you will take. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the main thing they don't ask how they ask how many. You did pick up the win. It, was, it wasn't the prettiest win of all time by the Blue Jays, but... Very similarly, last year they were in Anaheim and they swept a series off a very non-clean 11-10 win where they took a lead and gave it up and went down and came back. So at the end of the day, you take it and the Angels, while, you know, they did what some would call a very Angels thing today where they they, they have taken a lot of leads in the last couple of years and given them up. They had won both of their previous two series. So to go to Anaheim after the Angels had beat Seattle on the road in a series and take two out of three from Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I mean, when this team's healthy, it is pretty scary. You definitely take it, even if it uh, maybe raised the the blood pressure a little bit throughout the afternoon. Yeah, I, I was definitely uh, sweating a couple of times towards the end. There, you and I were uh, not uh, not and they sitting keep the down. Studio cold. <laughs> yes, it's true. We were we were uh, pacing around here. I think as we watched the screens here at Baseball Control, it was, uh, it was a uh, that was a roller coaster. No matter how you look at it, that's Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Welcome into Jay's Talk, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection across the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on Sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Of course, we are taking your calls and texts. You want to weigh in? It's your show. Phone lines are open. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device. Five ninety is five ninety five ninety is the people's text line. That's where you can text us. That's always open, and you can always text during the game as well. We'll always get to as many of your texts and phone calls as humanly possible. It's it's funny when the when the game was like eh, maybe they're down six nothing. They you know before the Chapman Grand Slam, Ben. I thought to myself, boy, we're gonna all we're gonna talk about today is you say Kikuchi. Like I was prepared to just basically only talk about Kikuchi and then talk about how the lineup did not really hit too much. And then I, they, I remember I was at the Rogers center a couple of times for a number of games that flipped on their heads. And you can hear sometimes people in the press box say rewrite that, yeah. that, that must've happened maybe like three or four times tonight for a uh, shy and Arden and the rest of the gang. Yeah. I, I've uh, I don't know a ton about writing, but the writers I've been around, a lot of them do something called like a runner where you, you have to have a form of your story done already. And this is one of the days where, where you probably don't have a runner because by, by the time that you get to the 11th inning, you've changed or the 10th inning, you've changed your headline and the main body of your story and who you're focusing on, whether it be Yusei Kikuchi or Matt Chapman or Kevin Kiermeyer or Mike Trout or Jordan Romano or whoever you want, you probably changed your headline and your main subject about 20,000 times throughout the game. But somehow just by the skin of their teeth and ended up landing the blue Jays way by the end of it. Okay. I know you're not a writer, but what would, what would you, your lead be for this game? If you had to to pick my headline for, or like just who's leading the story, like my headline. Yeah. Your your lead, just who's leading the story. Kevin Kiermeyer. I think I, I, it's tough to take that away from Matt Chapman, but Blake said it just a couple minutes ago. I mean, this is a, a career high matching RBI day for Kevin Kiermeyer. He is, 
someone who has seldom had 50 RBIs in a season to have a five RBI day out of the nine spot. And so many of his hits in the biggest spots. Like, although Chapman hit the grand slam that flipped it, it's Kiermaier who tied the game. It's Kiermaier who added the insurance runs to get up to 10. So, and it's Kiermaier who adds the extra insurance yeah, run yeah. to make sure that it's 12 to 10 and that the Blue Jays can end up winning the game 12, 11. So I think, I think with, with the thought around Kiermaier as such a def- defense first player, I think he would have to be the lead of my story today, but I'll be interested to see on sportsnet.ca who their leads are. Yeah. I think you, this might be one of those. You get two stories on sports. Yeah. I think you have to, I think you have to like one game story and one Kevin Kiermaier. Kevin Kiermaier, five runs. So he rips the double in the sixth, the softer hit in the seventh with the bases loaded. Both of those score two runs and then doubles again in the top of the 10th inning to drive in the run. Like that is absolutely what you want out of the guy who hits 10th or pardon me, ninth. But you know, after he, after he batted in the 10th, you look at his, his place on this roster and he's not, he hasn't played every day. Right. So he, he is like the, the de facto everyday center fielder, but but I remember when in spring training, when he, and right before when he signed, a lot of people talked about his offense. And of course, health is always going to be something you kind of watch with one eye with Kevin Kiermaier because of how the last couple of seasons have gone. But as long as he is healthy, that is one hell of a guy to bat ninth, basically every time he is in the lineup. Like I, I don't know if there will be a conversation to have him move up in the order at any point, maybe have him bat eighth, for example, or even seventh, depending on how he is, how he is hitting. But I, I kind of like the idea of having him bat ninth because once the game starts, you can effectively, depending on where you are in the game, go Kiermaier, Springer, Bo, Vladdy, Chapman, Varsho, essentially. Yeah, I think he's a great second leadoff to have, especially when he's getting on base at this rate right now. I mean, he actually hasn't walked yet, but he's getting on base at a 400 clip because he's hitting 400 right now. So I think it's perfect. I mean, he's going to score on any extra base hit from first. He's going to score on any single from second. And... The first couple guys in the Blue Jays lineup, Springer and Bichette, can steal bases. So can Kiermaier. So him being in front of them won't hinder him. I, I still think even all, with this great 10-game stretch, any offense you get from him is a bonus. Yes. He could end up having a, a resurgent offensive year. I mean, in the early years of his career when he was healthy, he was a, an above-replacement-level offensive player. And he really, you know, with maybe the exception of, of like 2019 or 2021, he's been hurt every season since 2017, at least a little bit. If he can be fully healthy, maybe there is a, a rejuvenated or renewed Kevin Kiermeyer on a new team. And, and maybe that energizes him as well. But yeah, for now, I mean, you will take it five, five RBIs from Kevin Kiermeyer. He had 22 all of last season, again, injured, but he's a quarter of the way there already. So I think, you know, with Kevin Kiermeyer having this day, you just hope that he can keep stringing it together and stay confident going into the homestand. Let's go to the text line. Five ninety five ninety. Name and location is the people's text line. Uh, Will and Georgina just says, "Show this is a crazy game with a, the like the head exploding emoji." <laughs> <laughs> you are not incorrect, Will. It was an absolutely wild game. Uh, Brad in Newfoundland says, "Great game. Second and third biggest comebacks in the history of Easter Sunday." That's okay, kinda, that's, that's kind of interesting. I didn't actually stat. realize. Yeah, yeah great stat there. Good for pulling that one up, Brad. Yeah, if the, if the point of the game, which it, it truthfully is, as much as we all forget about it sometimes, is entertainment, like win or lose today, <laughs> yeah. Major League Baseball won. You know, that was that was a crazy game. The game, you know, it's funny. The game was like three and a half hours or three hours, 40 minutes, I think is what it ended up as. And or maybe just slightly under. And 
without a pitch clock, I guarantee you that's like that's closing in on like five hours probably. Well, let me go look. The eleven ten game last year was similar. I right. think that game was about four and a half hours. Yeah, I'll go take a look. Right. We for were, a we second. were you and I, you and I were here for that game. Like that yeah, was that was like <laughs> a leave at two a.m. You and you and Ben Nicholson Smith do Jay's talk till two thirty. <laughs> I see a text here. Um, this is a, fun, a good one. Mike in London just says, "I'm 53 years old. I have never seen a game like that." It's true. That was wow. an absolutely <laughs> wild game. Uh, there's this is probably a bit of an old. T- there's no name on this one. Maybe it's good a good thing. Old takes exposed. Uh, why are they bringing in Tim Mesa? He is not good. And look, the the the, the decision to bring in Tim Mesa at the end of the game. It was kind of interesting. I, honestly, the decision to bring in Trevor Richards at the end of the game as well was also had me had me uh, clenching my fists here a little bit in the um, in, in baseball control. But the usage of the bullpen today, probably something we should get to early on here, because it I, I see another text here. This one's from let me just see if I can find it uh, from Tony in Kitchener. Here it is. Why is Romano so slider happy? He has a good fastball. Don't shy away from it. He had the bottom of the lineup and he couldn't get them out. Our bullpen is abysmal. I've lost 10 pounds today on this game. Great point on Romano. Absolutely. I I would agree. Actually, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of sliders. I mean, he likes it and granted it, you know, his argument back to us would be like, Hey, how did I strike out Mike Trout? But yeah, I thought he was slider happy. I do think on the bullpen note for some, like, they used all their leverage guys when they had the lead. So when it got like it, it, the bullpen would have had a great day. If Jordan Romano had closed it out, the only run that they gave up prior to Romano was Swanson. And granted when you're up 10, six and a reliever gives up one run, while it's not awesome for his ERA, it's pretty fine for the team. Like you were up 10, seven at that point, they had used pop Simber Garcia Swanson. They kind of had to use Richardson Mays. I mean, who else is there? Yeah, that is pretty much what they had to use. I'm, thinking, I'm just thinking here. I think one, two, three, yeah. four, five, six, seven relievers today. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of options at that point in the game. They I, left Anthony Bass in the pen. He was the only guy they left who granted again yesterday. I, I wanted Anthony Bass and more leverage. And again, I would have liked him today, but he gave up a homer yesterday in his one inning. So it wasn't like he was coming off his best day either. Yeah. Richards and Mesa in the 10th. It was fascinating to me because Richards has overall there was there's been one blow up for him and overall I think he has pitched largely well enough to justify the very least keeping him on the roster given the fact that he has no options I did think the fact that Meza was warming basically as soon as he got into he got one Richard got <laughs> yeah. one runner on was a little wild because it did kind of feel as though they were essentially warming Meza for the eventuality that it gets to Shohei Otani. And then that's what happened. Like well, that it, was crazy to think that the game would be at that <laughs> point. Like it had to be bases loaded two outs and a one run game. And it happened. So credit to John Schneider and Pete Walker. It, it, you know, what's funny. I, I don't know if you noticed this on the, on the broadcast, but it, it kind of seemed as though Pete Walker had to convince John Schneider to go to Tim Meza in that moment. Like it kind of seemed as though I'm, I'm not saying he would have necessarily left uh, Trevor Richards in the game at that point, given all that had transpired up until Shohei Otani getting to the plate. But it did kind of seem as though Pete Walker had to go out there and say, Hey, we should really bring in Tim May Le- lefty lefty. We should bring, really bring in Mesa at this point. Um, again, we well, maybe we'll hear from John Schneider before we say goodbye, but I, um, it just, it did seem to me as though that is kind of what was going on in the dugout. We'll have to see if that is what happened, but ultimately I do kind of wonder what that conversation looked like to even bring Mesa into the game at that point. Because we hadn't really seen him a whole ton during the Angel series. No, and to be fair, I mean, I would consider Richards another guy while right-handed that can pitch 
well to lefties. So so you could have had Schneider there thinking about the fact that Richards might not be the worst matchup for Shohei Otani as well. And I mean, Richards nibbled around and did have some walks, but he they they hadn't lost the game yet when Richards came out of the game. So he definitely had a shot and should have truthfully actually picked up the save himself when he popped up Mike Trout behind the plate, but that ball wasn't caught. So yeah, it, it's an interesting decision. You go from one of your lefty guys to another one, but I think it does seem like Tim Mesa is still the top dog lefty in this bullpen. And I think he showed why with a three, a three pitch strike at a Shohei Otani for, for all that, you know, might have some people nervous about Mesa recently. It's pretty hard to come into a game cold and three pitch strikeout, maybe the greatest player on the planet. And he did it. It was, it was pretty impressive. The, the first pitch Mesa threw was quite ballsy. I gotta say. Oh yeah. I mean, if Shohei had swung at that pitch, I'm not sure the blue Jays would have won the game, but he didn't swing at that center cut middle high fastball. So he did not. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0591-888-666-0590 star 590 on your cellular device. Morgan calling in from Halifax. Morgan, welcome to Jay's talk. How's it going today? Not too bad. How about you guys? We are doing well. well. How's the blood pressure, Morgan? It, that was a close one, eh? It was. It was. What, what's up? Yeah, it, it was a after Chapman had that grand slam there. It, it the performance from the team just completely turned around. But it it, it it's the one thing I wasn't too happy with is the bullpen in the late game. Is Romano not his best day in the office in my opinion? And I was surprised they're able to squeak it out. To be honest with you, I think my question would be though, how exactly does Romano end up with the win in the situation? Yeah, I got you there. Thank you so much for the question, Morgan. So it is kind of funny to think about it, that you would get a blown save and a win. But essentially, when Romano finished the ninth inning, it was a tied score again at 10-10. And then when the Blue Jays took that 12-10 lead, he had not been relieved yet. They hadn't brought in the new pitcher. So he is still the pitcher of record at that point. It's not, you know, necessarily the win he wants to pick up. And actually, I would say probably most relievers, if you look and they have a lot of wins, that may not be a good sign. But for Romano there in an interesting scoring decision, in a day of a couple interesting scoring decisions, to be fair, uh, he ends up getting the win just kind of out of circumstance there that when the game was tied and then when the Blue Jays took the lead, he still hadn't been pulled yet for Richards, who comes in the next inning. Pretty remarkable that he gets he blows the save after looking very good to start the year. And again, obviously, this is one of the higher leverage spots. But as Tony and Kitchener mentioned on the text line, he had the bottom of the order here. Like after Jimmy Garcia, with the lead they had, after Jimmy Garcia basically went out there and in very quick fashion took care of the top of the order, took care of Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, and Shohei Otani, I definitely, there's always a chance things happen, but I definitely thought with the bottom of the order being what Jordan Romano was going to face, I did not expect him to struggle this much. I got to say, Ben. No, and he just struggled for the zone. I mean, it wasn't like they rocked him, but he walked two guys in an inning and barely threw 50% strength. And I think that comes back to the text we got earlier, where even if your slider, you know, is looking really good today, when you throw 98 to hundred miles per hour, like that's your bread and butter. Still a lot of the time you, you're a closer because you throw 98, lots of guys throw tight sliders, but you got to pump that fastball in there against the weaker guys in a lineup. Because when you get to the top of the lineup, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani can hit a 98 mile per hour fastball. That's, that's when you mix the slider in a little more. So yeah, it's understandable. I, I will remind people, though, I think that Romano came into last year with the save streak still alive, mm-hmm. and he actually blew a save pretty early into last year and ended that streak, too. And sometimes I think it's not the worst thing to get one out of the way a little bit. Like, it's going, he was going to blow a save. 
you know, at and, some point. Yeah. And yeah. good that the time he did, the blue Jays were able to get out of it. And at least to his credit, after he blows the save, he still finishes the inning. The angels easily could have won. He finishes the inning and gives the blue Jays a chance to come back and win in the 10th. But yeah, I mean, for the bullpen criticisms as a whole today, I, I understand it because it looked shaky at the end, but I really feel up until Romano, they were pretty good. And then Richardson is not necessarily one of your leverage relievers. And to be fair, he got the two outs he needed to get and, and Mays ended up getting his. So it, to me, it felt more like a bad day for Romano isolated than really the bullpen, which concerns me less because Jordan Romano is a good pitcher. Yeah. In, in the sense that Jordan Romano is, is not, he might is going to bounce back yeah, very he's, quickly. Effectively. He's put too much yeah. on tape. Yeah. Let's go to the phone lines. 416-870-0591-888-666-0590. Star 590 on your cell. Zach calling in from Midhurst. Zach, welcome to Jay's Talk. How's it going? Hi. How's it going, Zach? What's up? I I was so happy about the home run by um, the Grand Slam. Um, it was the best Grand Slam there was. Oh. And I love the Grand Slam by Chapman. It was the best Grand Slam I ever saw. That game was crazy. <laughs> It was. It was a. It was an absolutely. I would say majestic home run, Zach. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. What I see here, you want to chat a little bit about uh, Alejandro Kirk. What do you? What have you thought of his play so far? Not a great play uh, to towards the end of the game where he, he dropped what, what what would have ended the game. Where Where are you at on Kirk these days, Zach? I don't think Kirk could be like. Um, he he didn't do the best catching. Um, he threw the ball away. And I don't think Kirk ever did it, but it was like the best game Kirk ever played at home. And it's going to be the, going to be the loudest game ever when they play at home on Tuesday. Absolutely. I am very much looking forward to seeing uh, Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. Appreciate the call, Zach. Thanks for calling into Jay's talk. I, I will say on Kirk, Ben, he, he drops this ball. And we talked about this a little bit on Jay's talk last night, but simply Kirk has because of the lack of spring training time has definitely, I think clearly affected his timing. It's, it's, it was funny too, because late in the game, they intentionally walked him. Like he yeah. comes in, he comes in to pinch hit for Danny Jansen and they walk him immediately, which I always kind of thought was a curious decision given that Kevin had, Kiermaier had driven in a bunch of runs. Yeah, Kevin <laughs> Kiermaier had been playing exceptionally well. And Kirk had not really shown to this point this season to that. He was probably worthy of being intentionally walked. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because he was so good last year, but at the same time, he's 24 years old with really that one season under his belt. So it is funny to watch him be an automatic intentional walk candidate. Like I didn't, I don't consider him necessarily miles past Danny Jansen as a hitter. I think he's a better hitter than Danny Jansen, but it would be funny to me that they wouldn't necessarily intentionally walk Jansen and they would intentionally walk Alejandro Kirk. But yeah, I think it's, you know, Kirk clearly did not get the full spring training yeah. and he's a young guy and the young guys are probably the guys that need the spring training the most. So he'll likely have to, you know, hit himself into form a little bit, but it's a very long season. And, and also I have to uh, sneak just a shout out to Zach and Midhurst because that's home of the Barry Bay cats of the inner county league okay. where I used to uh, okay. work out there. So hopefully he, he went to, uh, or is going to some Bay cats games this year. They're a lot of fun. I mean, nice. I've never been to a Bay cats game. I'll, Very, I'll, I'll well, say. You could see them against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs baseball club. Ooh, okay. Uh, Christy Pitts is where they play. I have been games. to, I have been to Christy Pitts to watch a couple uh, Leafs baseball. games. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, you might've seen the Bay cats okay. as visitors possible six in a row champs at one point, but wow. I digress. 
digress. I digress. Uh, I see a text here in the text line, Ben. Uh, Chris in Saskatchewan, he says, hey, guys, thank God for a win to end the series. Yes. Well, you know what? Kudos. I (laughs) I agree. I 1,000% agree. Uh, He he says, make the pitchers ride in the back of the plane. As much as we worry about Brandon Belt, Jansen's offense is just as bad. 0 for 3 with 3Ks today. Is he considered our main catcher still? I, I think, at least for me, for a couple more games, I am willing to give... Danny Jansen a bit of a mulligan if only yeah. because he missed time he had that stomach bug that probably does take you a bit out of rhythm you're on the road for three straight series 10 straight games I think that for me at least right now is enough to make me overlook it but if that continues like if that streak continues over three three case today like if that continues into the Rays series next weekend and you and I are still talking about Danny Jansen in a slump then maybe that's something a little more concerning, but right the second coming off of two missed games because because of a stomach bug, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crush him too much for it. Yeah, and I guess also on on the subject of is he the main catcher, I, I wouldn't really say I consider either Kirk or Jansen to be the main catcher. It's kind of like a modern running back room to me. Like it's just a right, right. It's just a, a plug and play based on what you like that day matchups wise, who's pitching, who's rested, whose body is feeling better. So in a way, I, I think it could be a good thing that there's no lead catcher because, you know, it could give Jansen days off if he's not feeling well, or if he starts to get hot, you can ride him. So yeah, it's concerning obviously that he's hitting 056, but like you said, I mean, he missed the last two games. He's not an everyday player. So he's only played, I believe this was his seventh game of the season. So it's a pretty underwhelming sample size to get too worked up about the same way that I don't expect Kevin Kiermaier to hit 400 this year. That'd be nice though. It would be. Trust me. If he was the first guy since <laughs> Ted Williams to hit 400, I'll like tattoo his face on my back, like Steve-O or something like that. And you can, you can save that here at the yeah, station. You heard that. You heard that here <laughs> first. Uh, that's Ben Shulman. I'm show Ali. Let's take a quick break, Ben. When we come back, we'll go back to the phone lines, back to the text line. Still some time to shoot us a phone line message here. 416-870-0590, also known as phone calls. one 590 star 590 on your cellular device, 590, 590 is the people's text line and it is always open blue jays win a roller coaster 12 11 over the angels to wrap the series to send things back to toronto on tuesday you're listening to jay's talk show and ben with you on the sportsnet radio network you know tough you know weird sunball in the first and you know it seems something bad always happens after that um i think kind of underrated things zach pop kind of keeping the game right there when he comes in after cooch Jimmy Garcia being um, filthy, Trev making big pitches, Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, Flatty's pick, you know, Chappie being on a whole different level right now offensively. A lot stands out. Um, really, really, I mean, this is a, that's a good team. It's a talented offense over there, and you know, you get the top of the order lurking every every so often, and it makes you it makes you think. But um, love that we pulled out of it with a win. You know, end the road trip on a on a high note. A high note indeed. A 12-11 Blue Jays win over the Angels. That is a skipper, John Schneider, speaking to the media a couple minutes ago. Welcome back to Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Ben Shulman with you until the bottom of the hour. Still some time to give us a call or shoot us a text. 590-590 is the text line, the people's text line, and it is always open. Uh, Before we get back to the people's text line, Ben, let's quickly check out the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So because this game was so long, and because it was a later one anyways, most Sunday games, especially on the East Coast, are all uh, usually done or almost done by the time we get going. But the uh, Tampa Bay Rays continue their dominance. They actually beat the Athletics 
11 nothing for the second straight day. Two days in a row, they went 11 nothing over the Oakland not, Athletics. Not fun times in Oakland. Uh, no, that is not, not ideal. Uh, the Yankees did beat the Orioles six to, pardon me, they beat them four to one. They are now six and three on the season. Toronto wins, they're six and four. Boston also winning today, they're five and four. Baltimore with the loss are four and five. So again, it's really early to be talking about the standings watch, but uh, even even with the, the Tampa Bay Rays getting off to a ridiculous start, Ben, the the Yankees and, and Jays are still not that far behind, and I expect things to even out as the season continues. Yeah, notable the, the schedule that the Rays have played, but the Rays and Jays are the two teams, I believe, who haven't played any other AL East teams yet. So I'm sure, you know, over uh, in the Yankees, Red Sox, and Orioles world, world they're also waiting for some matchups between uh, the Jays and Rays and, and some of the bigger teams within the division. But yeah, not not too concerned that the Rays will go 162-0. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm thinking they will not go 162 and 0 either. Uh, let's go back to the text line here, Mr. Shulman. I see one here. Actually, there's no name on this text question, but it does say, I am curious about the overall performance for Kikuchi today. I, for one, was pleased with how he finished the game after the first inning homer. And some other text on Kikuchi, like this is from Nate in Guelph uh, for Blue Jays talk. Am I the only one thinking that Ricky Tiedemann is going to be needed by the time we get to June? Barrios and Kikuchi are major leaguers, and I wish them the best, but do they really belong on a potential championship club. There's a couple other actually Barrios texts we can get to if we have some time, but on you say Kikuchi, like I said before, Ben, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird outing for him because he definitely got unfortunately uh, jobbed on the pitch that was lost in the sun by Dalton Varsho because the ball falls. It, it was ruled. It was not ruled an error. So the, that run that came into score and then the run, the home the run, two more runs yeah, after were, two, we're yeah. all, we're all ruled or earned. So I'm curious where you fell on on the on the, the entire Kikuchi outing, primarily because he did get jobbed a little bit, and then as the game went on, it almost felt like it was harder to defend because by the time he gives up the home run to Ohapi, I kind of thought, okay, well, I don't know if I can really say there this is a positive, but I still think the strikeouts, not that many walks for for, for Kikuchi, yeah, really, only in, one in either you know, so two walks total and two appearances, which is something we had some concerns about coming into the year. I think there are some things to work on here, but um, I, you know, it's it's kind of tough to really measure when there's some bad luck mixed in there. Yeah, it's one of those starts where I don't really think, in my opinion, necessarily pitched well, but at the same time, I don't think he pitched nearly as poorly as the numbers might suggest because right. I mean at the end of the day anyway you slice it he, he should have had a scoreless first he, he got a fly ball that because of the sun or because you know and, and this is an interesting thing because an outfielder took it instead of an infield or something we saw the angels discussing and kind of flipping around later that drops in three run score at the end of the day let's say he goes four and a third three earned runs be kind of a weird start to be pulled with three earned runs there but that wouldn't be so bad at the end of the day so yeah, I think that, you know, the one walk is encouraging. However, he only started eight of the 22 batters he faced with a strike. That's not the best. Uh, but overall, I would say I'm, I'd am i rather watch Kikuchi get hit than walk, guys. I think there's more room for him to get some stability and consistency in the zone, swing and miss. I, I think his stuff can beat guys. So it's when he's walking guys that it's really hard to imagine a path where he can consistently perform for the team. So I would say that, with the two starts together, it's a good thing. This start, I don't know. It wasn't a great start, obviously, but it probably wasn't as bad, like I said before, as it looks. Let's hear the manager dissect what he saw from Yusei Kikuchi. Here's John Schneider. More from his postgame availability discussing the second start of the season from Kikuchi. 
I think, yeah, I think just execution. I think, you know, the first inning is weird, you know, right? He thinks he's out of it, and all of a sudden Renfro goes deep. So I think, you know, you got to kind of regather yourself a little bit. Um, I think today was just a little bit different. He had really good stuff, good life on his fastball. Um, just kind of the execution wasn't quite there. So, um, you know, I love the way he competed. You know, that's a, that's a long, hot day against a tough lineup, but, you know, kept us right there. It just came down to execution. A very lefty-heavy lineup, also for the for the Angels today. Like a, a lineup that is tradi- like, maybe maybe tradition is the wrong word, but so far in this season has proven to be pretty good against lefty pitchers. Like the pros, again, six strikeouts today, just two walks over two starts. The cons, lots of hard contact, especially off the slider. Three homers, and, yeah, not great, right? Like in two at bats, the Trout and Otani in the third, for example. Like he, like Schneider talked about it, but he threw. Five four seam fastballs in a row. It was Trout. wild. So I, I kind of thought to myself, is he going to keep doing this? Like he, he clearly, I, it's good to see that he has confidence in the fastball because that's something we talked endlessly about last year. That in in the sense that he did not have that confidence. So good that he feels good throwing the that many four seamers to Mike Trout of all people. But Trout gets aboard because he just could not throw another four seamer. And the first slider he throws to Trout, Trout dumps it into the field and he gets aboard. And then Shohei Otani. Truly, I mean, this is what, this is when you see him do freakish stuff, right? Shohei Otani is a lefty batter. It's a slider from a lefty pitcher out to left center. Like that's just wild. If you look, we look at the 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 highlight. He kind of has to jerk the bat inwards just to make contact with the ball, and he still hits it out to the opposite field. Essentially, I just that was just absolutely wild. Even the Rendon's hit in the third inning, he hit that ball into right field and just pokes it. And it was like a foot above the zone. It was head high. Yeah. It was a head, a head high fastball. I mean, that's the weird thing is I don't think Akuchi pitched all that great, but most of the runs I actually don't think were his <laughs> fault. Like the three first inning runs shouldn't have happened. Shohei Otani hit a ball for a two run home run, a, a pitch pretty objectively off the plate. But at the same time in the in-between was where sometimes I felt like he didn't look his best all the time and gave up a lot of hits in Ohapi. I mean, there's not much of an excuse on that one. That was, that ball was just rocked. So um, (laughs) yeah, it, it, it was a weird day and it's, it's not fun to pitch against the angels, but at the same time, you know, the, the bottom half of the angels lineup for how good the top half of it is, the bottom half, isn't necessarily all that stacked. And he did give up the Homer to Ohapi and did allow Gio Urshela to reach multiple times. So yeah, just an uneven start, not the best, um, but they have a very loaded offense and they were able to come back from it. And, and yeah, on, on the comment of, of Barrios and Kikuchi, I mean, again, this isn't the only reason, but to say both those guys wouldn't be in there, that's that's a combined about $31 million being paid to them this year. That matters. That's That's when you invest in something, whatever business it's in, you're going to put time into it because money matters. There was a, there was a, you brought it up earlier, but there was an interesting moment in the top of the fourth inning. Vladdy pops it up, and both the Sportsnet feed and the Bali Sports West feed showed Mike Trout and I believe Luis Ringhifo yeah. uh, talking to each other. So Ringhifo makes the play just into the, just past the dirt, right? Just into the outfield. He waves Trout off from making the catch. And right after Trout, point, it looks like he pointed to the sun and then kind of the slaps him on the shoulder. It seemed, I, again, I don't know what he, they said to each other, but it certainly seemed as though trout was telling ring. Hey, like you need to keep doing that. Like you need to help me out out there. Cause I, it looked like he, he genuinely could not see where the ball was given where the sun was over, over the stadium at that point in time. And it kind of made me think of 
the exact same play that where the ball dropped with Bichette and, and Varsho. I, it's funny because you, you, you almost never want to see the infielder calling off the outfielder because it is the outfielder's responsibility. But with the sun, with plays like that, I, I do kind of wonder if we do see different kinds of communications between, if not Bo specifically, but just the infielders and the outfielders to make sure things like that don't happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the intangible Mike Trout effect for all five tools that he flexes every game to a certain extent, you know, when you compare the Varsho and the Trout plays, Trout's, you know, a 34-year-old Hall of Famer who's played four years with Renhifo now, and they probably have a relationship. So, you know, good communication there. Bo Bichette, 25, Dalton Varsho, mid-20s as well, and they're 10 games into their teammate career. So in a spot where 99 or more than that, 999 times out of 1,000, the left fielder should be taking that ball. It is interesting to look back and look like, although it would have caused Bo to run deep, it did seem like he could see it. And that is a thing that I I know limited from my non-decorated playing career (laughs) as a first baseman is that sometimes when I was backing up, because you're looking, it's a different angle backing up for a ball than coming in for it. And you might be able to avoid the sun if it's a little bit diagonal in front of you. When you're backing up, you're looking so directly up into the air, whereas coming in, it's going to get in your face and can distract you more, which is what happened to Varsho. It's a tough play for Varsho. He doesn't get an error, rightfully so. A little bit of the scoring talk washed away with this ridiculous game, but uh, it's it's tough for everyone involved because Varsho doesn't get an error as he probably shouldn't, but Kikuchi doesn't get the relief of unearned runs because of it either. Varsho also, I was convinced, hit like a 500 foot home run today. Oh yeah. Honestly, if you would like a like, hand in the air, God's honest truth. I honestly thought Varsho had just absolutely murdered a baseball. And then I, I'm still not sure if the, if I think it was trout, but if, uh, if I'm, I'm not sure, and actually sure who caught the ball might've been the, the right fielder, but the, the, the catch in the outfield was right at the wall, but the, the kind of my depth perception on it made me think that it looked like he leapt up to catch it or at least saved it from like being knocked over the top of the wall. And in yeah. the end it was, it was not a, it was just like an allowed out essentially. Yeah, it was, I, I, I looked at it on Stackhouse. It was Renfro who ended up hauling okay, it in, I think uh, in right field. It might've got close. It was hard to tell, but it, it said only four ballparks it would have got out in and, and it didn't name angel wild. stadium as one of them. Yeah. Uh, Yankee obviously was one of them. So yeah, it, it was, you know, sometimes the bat sound deceives you every once in a while. And, uh, and you know, when you, when you watch the TV broadcast, you can get, you can get camera angled every <laughs> once in a while, no blame on anyone here, but uh, yeah, both, I think both of us thought that was like a 450 foot home run and it was a 360 foot fly out. We did not get camera angled on the Matt Chapman Grand no. Slam. Thankfully, that was an absolute bomb. They were down 6 nothing. He makes it 6-4. They get back into the ballgame because of it. Uh, there's a text here from Mark and Thorold. He says, I know Chapman can't keep up this torrid hitting the whole year, but what if he comes close to hitting around 290? What are the odds of the Jays signing him long-term? Do you think they'll open up the books for him as much as they're going to have to open them for Vladdy and Bo? He will be missed for sure if he is gone. That's from Mark and Thorold. It's a good question. Oh, it's a very good because, question. Because you and I are talking during the game, like if he hits even close to 300, I feel like there's a, I mean, he's a Scott Boris client, first of all, and Scott Boris clients almost always test hold out. Agencies. Yeah, they test yeah. free agencies. They see, they see how much money they can get. And even if even Chapman does resign with the Blue Jays eventually, I wouldn't be shocked if he went to free agency just yeah. to just to see what the market is like. And then comes back to Ross Atkins and says, hey, hey, the New York Yankees are going to offer me twenty five million dollars a year. Can, are you guys going to do that? And, and, and then they give them a chance to match. Maybe that happens. But uh, I do genuinely it kind of I think it does. It will have to speak to effectively their confidence in other organizational prospects versus how much they want to pay Chapman going. I, I would assume well into his 30s. 
Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I, I do agree. It just feels like the best business decision for Matt Chapman if we're talking about maximizing the value of of him him as a player, considering, you know, this will likely be the the main career he has in his life. And he's 30, so who knows, you know, if it'll go much more than 10 years from now. So he's got to maximize his value, certainly. I, I think he almost for sure hits free agency. Matt Chapman's never been a free agent. He was traded during his rookie contract and then signed an extension with the Blue Jays. So he hasn't yet been a free agent. And I think it's unfortunate. I, I don't like to think about things this way, but I think the better he hits, probably the less likely he's a Blue Jay. And I actually, I'm not saying that because I don't think the Blue Jays will spend on him. I just think the better he hits, the more the big fish come in. I mean, right. the New York Yankees have Josh Donaldson on an expiring contract at third base. Don't say that. They want to win a World Series, <laughs> don't too. Don't put that juju out the there. The San Francisco <laughs> Giants tried to spend billions of dollars this offseason. Frankly, I wouldn't put anything past the Padres at this point because they'll do anything that they want and and a million other teams as well. You know, the L.A. Dodgers let Justin Turner go, all that stuff. So I'm not saying that he's for sure gone, by the way. There's a he could want to play in Toronto. They could offer him the most money. It's definitely possible. But uh, Matt Chapman is, you know, a, a platinum glover. And yeah, if he hits near 290, first of all, that would be a career high. He's never hit higher than 278. And that 278 season, I mean, was a great year for him, an 864 OPS and a gold glove. So if he hits 290, I think you just take it kind of like the Marcus Simeon year. I think it's best for most fans to not think about the future. (laughs) It's just because the better he hits might make it worse, but that's not going to make you enjoy Blue Jays games more. And that's kind of the point at the end of it. So I, I would say don't think about it too much because Considering the lack of extension talk we've already heard, it feels like at least testing the free agent market is very likely. I see a text here. No names on these couple of texts, but Chapman should move to third based on epic performance rate. Guerrero to bat cleanup. And I see another one here. Uh, Chapman will lead the Jays in RBI. Bichette will be mayor of Arrowtown. Um, I, I, okay. I don't know. About, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But... is more valuable of an offensive player than Matt Chapman, I think. At least. Yeah, I, I still think you want to bat him as, as high as possible. Get him as many ABs as possible. But uh, Matt Chapman driving in five runs today. Kevin Kiermeyer driving in five runs as well. An absolutely terrific ball game as the Blue Jays win 12-11. I'm here with Ben Schulman. Ben, these are always a lot of fun. And we're going to be doing oh, it again yeah. next weekend against the Rays. Uh, I don't know if they'll be undefeated the possibly by then, undefeated but, uh, Rays. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> but these are always fun, man. Oh, so much fun. And uh, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm going to bet they won't be undefeated I will, by I'm, the time we're back next weekend. I'm also going to bet that they will uh, not be undefeated. <laughs> That's Ben Schulman. I'm Show Alley. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Did you know spring is the best time of year to protect your vehicle from rust? Find out why and book your appointment today at crown.com. Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. Jays wrap up a 12-11 win over the Angels. Day off tomorrow means on Tuesday, it's the home opener. Blair and Barker have Jays talk. We'll talk to you then.